Welcome to another inspirational message from Dave Coop, Senior Pastor of Coastal Church in Vancouver, Canada. We're going to be talking about the, the trap of glamour, or we could also call it the trap of treasure. And uh, like every trap, we have an illustration to go with it. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had the orange monster. And if you missed the orange monster, the orange pumpkin, you may want to go online and review that one. And then last week, we had a frog, and uh, we were talking about the trap of procrastination. We had a lot of people come back and say, oh boy, you're really talking to me last week. And uh, I was preaching to myself last week. There are some things I've been procrastinating on. And so if you felt like it was addressing you, don't worry, it was addressing every single one of us, I think. Unless you're one of those few people that doesn't procrastinate on anything, you know, all the power to you. You're, you're an example for all of us. But anyhow, we're, we're working on some things. This morning, we're going to talk about the trap of glamour or the trap of treasure and it, too, is a trap that can affect a lot of us, and so we want to make sure that we're not caught in it. One of our key verses for this series has been that our soul has escaped like a bird out of the snare of the fowler. And the fowler is the enemy, he's Satan, he's the deceiver, he tricks us, and he's been trapping people for centuries. The trap is always stronger than the victim that it traps but our help is in the name of the Lord. That's the key point, because if you feel you're overcome, you can't quit, you can't break out of it, it's changing your life, then you can call upon the name of the Lord, and uh, he will come, and he will set you free. And it's not based on how many good things you did. It's not based on your performance. It's based on God's grace. Had it been based upon what we did, none of us would be set free, because this is undeserved favor, Sometimes our friends don't think we deserve to be free. Sometimes they think it's all own dumb fault. You should have never done it in the first place. You got what you deserved. God does not look at us that way. He's a loving Father. He has great compassion on us. He's, his mercy is infinite. And he comes over and says, even though you were warned, you shouldn't have done it, maybe even you knew better or maybe you didn't know better, I will still rescue you and set you free. And so this morning in your notes, a couple of verses. One, we have a verse there that says, 1 Peter 5 eight, be careful, exclamation mark. Would you say with me this morning, be careful. Peter writing here, be careful. This was written a few years ago, but it applies today just as much. Watch out for the tax from the devil, your great enemy. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for some victim to devour. Now, he's not omnipresent. God is. He's not. But he does go about. He looks for somebody that's kind of unaware or who has not got their guard up, who's sleeping sluggish in their life, and he tries to find a way to attack them. And one of the ways he does is through this trap of glamour, the trap of treasure. Interesting enough that he also tried to trap your Lord on this. He tried to trap Jesus on it. And if he tried to trap our Lord on it, don't be surprised if he tries to trap us on it. The response that Jesus gave is the same one that we have to. We are not above our master. If the way Jesus responded is any indication of victory, then we too are going to have to use the same principle when he comes to try and trap us. Now, this is the third temptation when Jesus is fasting. He's been on the mountain. He's tired. He's been hungry. And now he comes to him with this final temptation to try to trap our Lord. We pick it up in Matthew chapter 4, verse 8, there in your notes. Next, the devil took him to speak to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him the nations of the world and all their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you'll only kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him. For the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God, serve only him. Ultimately, that's what the trap is about. He wants us to worship him, bow to him. 
But our Lord's response here is the way we have to respond. We're going to give you a couple keys on how to stay out of the trap of glamour or the trap of treasure in just a minute. But this is the best key, and really it overshadows all the rest. When he comes at us, our response has to be like our Lord. If Jesus had to do this, so do we have to. His response was, get out of here, Satan. It wouldn't have sounded like this. Uh, say, would you please leave? Don't bug me anymore. I'm really tired of you. It wouldn't have sounded like that. It would have sounded like there was authority there. Get out of here, Satan. There would have been this behind it. There was this strength behind it. And you have that strength as well in his word. Then he quotes Deuteronomy. He quotes the scripture. You must worship the Lord your God, serve only him. After that, Satan left him. When you speak God's word... And it takes a certain amount of awareness. He's after me. This must be my response. I've got to rise up and say, no, it is written. That word projects into the spiritual realm. And like light, it just pushes back the darkness. This always, always works. You may have to say it more than once. You may have to say it repeatedly. But this never fails. God's word never fails. So... Underline his response, keep that as a number one response. The trap of glamour, what is it? Or the trap of treasure, we could use it interchangeably. Very simple, it's to appeal to the victim's senses so strongly they lose sight of reality. Well, last week we had the frog up here. And today we have a a stick, we got a rope, and uh, we got a, a special jar and a banana. And you may have seen this trap before. But um, I need a couple of volunteers this morning, and I need somebody to... That guy's a volunteer? (laughs) All right. Very good. She's nominated you. Give this guy a big hand. Welcome here. I'm Dave. Michael, welcome here. Uh, You you, you could either be the, the, the... the native trapper, or you can be the monkey. Which do you prefer, Michael? You see, you're first a volunteer, so you got a choice. Uh, as long as I'm not the frog. You know, okay, you won't be the frog. So, okay, well, you'll, you get to be the, the trapper. Come on up. And uh, so this is, your, this is your weapon. It's a stick. And I'll, I'll give you a cue in a minute. And, and you have to go, this, yeah. <laughs> Easy. <laughs> you have to go... Go hide in the bush. Get in the bush back there. You're in the bush, Michael, okay? Very good. Now, if you make noise, they're going to suspect something. So, Now, we, the next one's the monkey. And who wants to be the, the monkey? Okay, great. Come on up here. We got willing volunteers this morning. Give this young man a big hand. And what's your name again? Kaylin. What is it? Halen. Kaylin. Halen. Halen. Come on up, Halen. We're so glad that you're here this morning. Got to watch out for that guy there, okay? That, his, his name's Michael. Now, what has happened is this guy here, he's been setting a trap, and he took this banana with a jar, and he's got it tied to a tree back here. It's a chrome tree. They're kind of hard to find, but they are around. So he's got this thing tied up to a tree here. Won't put any big knots in it. We'll just kind of do it like this for now. And, uh, and you're the monkey. So, you know, um, why don't you just come up the stairs there and pretend like you're really hungry for, for a banana, all right? 
Can, can, you, can you do a little ee, 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 or anything like that? Can you? No, you've got you to do a little bit of this. Yeah, both hands. There you go. All right. Get any big hand. Now, you really like bananas. And so you've got to work with me on this one, okay? So you, you reach your hand into, the, into there and you grab the banana. But don't take it out yet. Just put your hand all the way in and grab it really hard. Okay. Now, the way the trap works is when he reaches in, just keep your hand on it. And, uh, and when he, it's trap is designed that his hand can come out easily if he doesn't hold on to the banana. But if he grabs the banana, it's, he can't get his hand out. Now, just pretend you can't get your hand out. Your hand's a little small. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so it's designed in such a way that he can't get his hand out. But... It's the treasure. It's, that's the glamour. He, he loves bananas, and he do anything to have the banana. Now, meanwhile, Michael the Trapper, he would like some monkey soup for supper. So he comes out, and you try to get away from him, but you can't because you're tied up. And what happens is, you got it. The monkey gets the stick, and exactly. Good job, you guys. Thanks, Anna. Thanks, Michael. Good job. <laughs> so, what trapped the monkey was the, the treasure of the banana. And uh, bananas are good, but not if they kill you. The enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. So, that's kind of a sad story that a monkey would be beaten to death like that. It is a sad story. Another sad story is when people are beaten to death because they won't let go of the treasure that the world has to offer and they go through all kinds of pain and all kinds of suffering, but I'm not going to let go of it. I want that glamour, I want that beauty, I want that treasure, and I'll put up with a lot of pain and keep getting beaten up, but I will not let go of this. I'm afraid if I let go, I might be rejected. I'm afraid if I let go, I might not be accepted. And so I'm just going to endure the pain and hang on to this, and hopefully I will be loved and accepted, even though I know I'm being beaten up, and this really doesn't make a lot of sense. Does the trapper still trap people like that today? Oh, yeah. Did he trap people in the Bible that way? Sure he did. You could think of people like Samson. You could think of people like Esau, who sold his pot of porridge, trapped by his senses. Lots of examples in the Scriptures, and there's also examples today of people who get trapped in this way. For some, it's shopping. They're just, they see the glamour and the advertisements and they just shop. Meanwhile, their credit card is beginning to beat them up because debt goes, is getting larger and larger. It might be the money, that thing grabs them and they just say, no, I need more, I need more. And they, they, their love for money becomes the root of evil and they hang on to it. It might be a job, it might be a promotion, it might be their income. I spoke with a man this week who's going to be our speaker at Business by the Book. Uh, Wes Haddockin is part of our church here. And he said, I was trapped in that trap. And I was, had a great job. I was a racquetball champion in Canada. And I was doing all these wonderful things. Going, going, going. And couldn't let go of any of it because it was glamorous. But when I died on the, squ- on the squash court... And thank goodness there was a paramedic who kept my blood circulating so that they could revive me. But I had a wake-up call. I was holding on to the banana and wouldn't let go of it. Meanwhile, it was killing my health, killing my family. I thought, i got to make a change. Now, for every mile of the road, there's two miles of ditch. 
Is it great to have finances in our life? Absolutely. Is it good to have beauty and all the rest of it in our life? Sure it is. But for every mile of road, there's two miles of ditch. And he exploits this. He knows we're uh, tempted by this. And he lures us into this trap and tells us, if you, if you let go, you'll lose your friends. If you let go, you're going to fail. If you let go of this, if you don't make this your Lord, you won't be secure. So if your focus is on that, instead of your focus on God being the source of all your strength, we end up having this effect of kill, steal, and destroy from our enemy. Perhaps one of the greatest ways that it happens today is uh, for glamour is in uh, the women in our world. And uh, as I was studying this and thinking about it, I really, my heart really went out to, because we have three daughters, a daughter-in-law, teenage daughter. And sometimes I, I, as I pray for them, I, I feel for them because I, I sense the, the, the tension that they live in to be healthy and vibrant and yet not get sucked into what the world says you have to be. In an article by Media Awareness here in Canada, they said... Beauty and body images of female bodies are everywhere. Women and their body parts sell everything from food to cars. Popular film and television actresses are becoming younger, taller, and thinner. Some have been known to faint on the set from lack of food. Women's magazines are full of articles urging them that if they can just lose those last 20 pounds, they'll have it all. The perfect marriage, loving children, great sex, and a rewarding career. Why are the standards of beauty being imposed on women, the majority of whom are naturally larger and more mature than any of the models? The roots, some analysts say, are economic. By presenting an ideal difficult to achieve and maintain, the cosmetic and diet product industries are insured of growth and profits. And it's no accident that youth is increasingly promoted along with thinness as an essential criterion of beauty. If not all women need to lose weight, they for sure are all aging, says the Quebec Action Network for Women's Health. The stakes are huge. On one hand, women are, who are insecure about their bodies are more likely to buy beauty products, new clothes, and diet aids. It's estimated that diet industry alone is worth anywhere between 40 to $100 billion a year selling temporary weight loss. 90 to 95% of dieters regain their lost weight. On the other hand, research indicates that exposure to images of thin, young, airbrushed female bodies is linked to depression, loss of self-esteem, and the development of unhealthy eating habits in women and girls. That's the reality. What's trapping it? This trap of glamour or the trap of treasure. In that trap is depression, loss of self-esteem, unhealthy eating habits. Canadian Women's Health Network warns that weight control measures are now being taken by girls as young as five and six. This is, a, this is in Canada. Uh, one of the teen magazines reported that 35% of girls 6 to 12 years old have been on at least one diet, and that up to 70% of normal weight girls have been believe they're overweight. Those who are normal weight believe they're overweight. And so we have this phenomena. Everywhere you look, there are these ads. This pill, this diet, this plan, is, you're bombarded with literally hundreds and hundreds of images from the industry that you're supposed to conform to this. And it's a glamorous thing that's really unattainable. They went on to say that perhaps the most disturbing fact 
is that the media images of female beauty are unattainable for all but a very small number of women. Researchers generating a computer model of a woman with Barbie doll proportions, for example, found that her back, this is a Barbie doll. If you take a Barbie doll, if you were a real woman with a Barbie doll proportions, here's what they found out, researchers. That her back would be too weak to support the weight of her upper body. Her body would be too narrow to contain more than half a liver and a few centimeters of bowel. And a real woman built that way would suffer from chronic diarrhea and eventually die from malnutrition. Yet the president of Mattel, who makes Barbie, estimates that 99% of girls between ages of 3 to 10 have at least one Barbie doll. 2006, in Canada, it was estimated that 450,000 Canadian women have a dis-eating, uh, eating disorder. So you say, well, that, that, that's fine for the women. But the guys say, well, that, that's kind of the woman's problem. No, that's our problem too, men. You know why? Because we expect ladies to look like what we see in commercials and on television. And that's not reality. And we say, well, you need to be like this. So we end up comparing them to something that's been photoshopped and put on a screen. And guess what? That's not going to happen. And so we live dissatisfied life because we've been focused on the treasure instead of keeping our focus on the Lord and his principles. There's an ad that came out a few years ago for Dove commercial or Dove soap, and they were really going counterculture. They're going against the grain, and they want to build an awareness, especially in young women, that your self-esteem is not based on the way the media portrays it and the way the industry, the way our culture says you have to look. And so they came up with this ad that really showed when we see a, a picture of somebody on the billboard or in the magazine, they don't look like that. When we talk to actors and models, even within our own church, they'll say, you have to know that when I, what I look like on the screen or on print, I don't look like that. By the time they have finished taking care of me, putting on the makeup, professionals doing everything, and then airbrushing me, I don't look that way. This little Dove commercial is a great way to highlight how this trap is around us today. So let's go ahead and play that, and then we'll go into some keys to avoid the trap. So we focus on this trap today because it, it affects a lot of Canadians. It affects a lot of us. 
And the enemy does not want us trapped there. According again to the Canadian Health Network, they say studies show that exposure to images of beauty, beauty ideal increases dissatisfaction, depression, anger, and low, lowers self-esteem both in women as well as men. Lowered self-esteem leads to depression, leads to suicide, leads to conditions, anorexia, bulimia, and so forth. And we'd be amiss to think that hasn't affected anybody in the church. It affects us here in the church today, and we want to be aware of it. This is a trap. Our image of who we are should not be centered on what the industry says we are. Our image of who we are should be centered, first of all, on what Christ says we are. That our image is based upon that. Our sense of worth comes, first of all, from what God says we are. And then, hopefully, what our loved ones say we are and what the church family says we are. This should be a safe place for, that we are built up for who we are the way God has made us. Now, we're not taking anything away from looking our best and dressing our best and being the best we can. Take nothing away from that. We just don't. Bananas are good, but not if they kill you. Treasure is good, but not if it kills you. So we want to keep it in perspective. Understanding he does use it as a bait, seduces people into it. And if we're not careful, if we buy into the culture of the day, we won't let go of it. Meanwhile, he kills, steals, and destroys lives in our country today. In Canada today, according to the same uh, website, Canadian Women's Health Network here in Canada, 90% of women and girls in Canada are unhappy with the way they look. 90%. We want to change that. Would you just turn to the person next to you and just say, you look amazing. <laughs> and they talk again about unhealthy dieting, taking drugs to lose weight, depression, mental illness, eating disorders. One out of 10 Canadian girls has an eating disorder, 10%, unnecessary surgeries, I read once that, that cosmetic surgeries in the last number of years has gone up 162%. Number one, for, and 90-some percent of are for women that get the surgeries. Number one is, well, I wrote them down, breast augmentation. Number two is liposuction. Number three is eyelid surgery. Number four is abdominoplasty. And then number five is breast reduction. Those are the top five surgeries. And this, a lot of it is fed from an industry that this is what you're supposed to look like. One of the greatest things you can do is get up in the morning, look in the mirror, and say, I love you. Because you cannot love your neighbor if you don't love yourself. You are created in God's image. God finds you amazingly beautiful. You are. God created you. You were wonderfully formed. Even in the womb, God wonderfully formed you. And it starts with an inner beauty. God has no problem taking care of and making sure we're groomed and all the rest of it, dressed good. God's fine with that. But the number one thing has to be our inner beauty. And if you're really comfortable with your inner beauty and who you are, that will shine through bright eyes, warm smile, a vivaciousness that the world would like to have. What is it that's about you? It starts with that. Here's some keys to avoid the trap. Number one, cultivate inner beauty. 2 Corinthians 4.16, that is why we're not discouraged. 
It's possible to look at all the pictures out there and get discouraged. And man, I'm never going to make it. I'm never going to be quite there. I don't quite, guys, you know, I don't quite have the six pack that I know I'd like to have. And we, we can get discouraged that you're not, you don't have the hair that you used to have. And you can really, you can really get bogged down in that kind of stuff. But he says, we're not discouraged. Though outwardly, we are wearing out. You can get all the Botox you want. You can get all the diets you want. You can do all that, but you will age. I hate to tell you that this morning, but that's the truth. No matter what we do, we're living in a world where we're just, we don't want to grow old. We don't want to look like we grow old, but we will grow old. We will wear out. This body will wear out. However, he goes on to say, inwardly, we're renewed day by day. You can be 50, 60, 70, 30, but you still feel like you're about 20 years old on the inside. That's the real you that gets renewed day by day. It doesn't need Botox. It doesn't need a pill. You just keep feeding it God's word, and that inside of you just keeps being renewed day by day. And you feel good. You feel healthy. And you exercise for healthy reasons. You take care of yourself for healthy reasons. Not to try to match some image that somebody put up on a screen. 1 Peter 3, 3 and 4. What matters is not your outer appearance, the styling of your hair, the jewelry you wear, the cut of your clothes. But your inner disposition. Cultivate inner beauty, the gentle, gracious kind that God delights in. So how do we avoid it? Focus on inner beauty. We're not ignoring outer beauty. Don't misunderstand me, but we're focusing on inner beauty. Number two, let God shape your identity, not the industry. The Dove commercial, another one says, talk to your daughter before the industry does. Because they're speaking loud and clear hundreds of times a day, this is who you're supposed to be. And unless we stand up as parents and as children's church leaders and leaders in our communities, uncles and aunts and grandpas and grandmas, and we say, you're beautiful, you're wonderful. You know one of the best things that I can say as a dad to my daughters? You look amazing. You're pretty. Wow, you look great today. You're an amazing lady. I love you. I'm proud of you. You refresh me. What a great woman you are. Those words will drown out the words of the industry. But if we don't say them, fathers... We're not saying it. Well, that's just not my nature. Well, then you better change your nature because that's the carnal nature. Because the nature of Christ is to encourage one another, especially our own children. Romans 12, 2 says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you'll know what God wants you to do. And you'll know how God, how good and pleasing and perfect his will really is. Sometimes we're confused on what we're supposed to do. And one of the the sad effects of that trap is that when you're holding on to the banana, it's really confusing what you're supposed to do with your life. Because that doesn't give you direction and guidance. That just sucks you into a pit of cotton candy, of synthetic stuff, pseudo-reality. Whereas when our focus is on God, we can get a handle on what our purpose and destiny is. There are a lot of horror stories of people who bought into that lie and they were told they were supposed to be something else simply to be abused for their beauty or whatever they had so somebody could make a buck. 
God's not interested in your life to make a buck. He's interested in your life that the calling, the virtue, what he's placed in you can bloom and you can live to be the very best, that you can fly in this freedom that God's created for you. Number three, ask yourself, where is my life centered? Psalm 62.10, don't try to get rich by extortion or robbery. Watch this last line. And if your wealth increases, if you live for God, you live by his principles, you live the life of a giver, your wealth will increase. It's the law. The sun comes up tomorrow. If you give, it's given unto you. Your wealth will increase. But when your wealth increases, there's some things to remember. Remember where the wealth came from. But also, don't make it the center of your life. Remember the rich young ruler? It was the center of his life. And the Lord said to him, go and sell all that you have and give it to the poor. He didn't ask that of others, but he asked it of this guy. Why? Because wealth was on the throne of his life. And God knew the only way he'd be free if he, if he dethroned wealth and put God on the throne. He walked away sadly. Then the next chapter in Luke 19, Zacchaeus comes along. He's wealthy too, very rich. God comes into his house. And he puts God on the throne of his life, and he says to Jesus, hey, I want to give away my money to the poor. I want to help those in need. How do I do this? I want to pay back those that I cheated. Why? Because God was on the throne of his life. God was in the center of his life. Not treasure. He was not trapped by it anymore. Number four, have a long-term perspective. Mark eight thirty-six. What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world, has the biggest treasure in his hand? What does it profit him? If he loses his own soul. Ultimately, that's what the enemy's after. Remember our verse, my soul has escaped like a bird out of the snare of the fowler. He's after our soul, our mind, our will, our emotion. He wants to trap you in this area. This is very seductive, very slight, but it's enough to trap a lot of people in our culture, in our world today, in downtown Vancouver. What is a prophetess if you gain the whole world and lose your own soul? Charlemagne, the great ruler, who really did gain the world, the then-known world, a number of years ago, they found his tomb. They opened it up. Here's Charlemagne, this great king, sitting on a throne. That's the way he's buried, in his royal attire, scepter in one hand, the Bible on his other knee here, and his finger is on Mark 8, 36. Take a lesson from Charlemagne, who had the world. It doesn't gain anything if you lose your own soul. And... uh, His life was, the way he ruled was different than others, uh, worth reading about. Number five, develop a craving for God and his word instead of the treasure or the glamour the world offers. First Timothy 6, 9, and 10 says this, but people who long to be rich fall into temptation, are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. We can all think somebody who fits that description Watch carefully for the love of money, not money, it's the love of money. Money is morally neutral. But society is not morally neutral. Money is morally neutral. It's just a tool. You can use it for good, you can use it for bad. John Rockefeller said, the poorest man I know is a man who has nothing but money. Love of money is at the root of all kinds of evil. We read here from the this different websites uh, regarding the Canadian women and their health that one of the reasons they push it, the thin push these images, is because it sells diet pills 
and because it sells aging creams and so forth. And so they portray that image on purpose. There was a magazine in, in Australia. They said, we're going to change it. We're going to put different models on that are regular size or even overweight models, and we're going to change it. And they got lots of positive reports from their readers. But guess what? The people who pay the bills, the advertisers, they said, uh-uh-uh. If you put that on, our product doesn't sell. So change it. They changed it. What changed it? The love of money is the root of all. What drove it? If, you, if there's evil, just dig underneath a little ways and you'll find there's a love of money. At the root of it, there'll be the love of money. Just start digging underneath and you'll find out this thing drives it. Why did God say you cannot serve God and money? Remember the Sermon on the Mount we went through? You can't, you gotta, you can't, it's impossible. You can't serve both. God talked more about money and possessions than he did prayer or many other things because he knew this trap catches a lot of people. We're just saying today here, this Sunday morning at Coastal Church, let's not get stuck in that. If that thing's got you, let go of it and uh, don't get beat up. Amen. (laughs) So how do we do that? Well, develop a craving for God instead. And Psalm 42, 1 and 2 says, As a deer pants for the water brook, so my So pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God, hungry for God? Then Psalm 63, 1. O God, you are my God. Early I will seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there's no water. Matthew 5, 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. What's the remedy? Develop a hunger and a thirst for God. Now, I'm speaking to the choir because you're here this morning. Obviously, you wouldn't be here if you didn't have a hunger for God. But it's this hunger that we have to keep. uh, You know, you you can develop appetites for things. And if you cut something out of your diet for long enough, you'll no longer have an, have a, have an appetite for it. Except maybe coffee. I don't know. But, anyhow, but if you take something... I went off coffee for a long time once when we were fasting for this building. And, and after about a year, I still had a desire for coffee. Anyhow... Uh, that's my own issue that I'm working through. <laughs> but the principle is this. If you have a hunger for God, that thing won't hold you. You won't be trapped by it. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you'd like to download free notes from this message or find out more information about Pastor Dave Coop, then we invite you to visit our website at www.coastalchurch.org.